Hey guys, welcome back to Seeing 2020. Before we get started, don't forget to follow or subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode and follow us on Instagram at seeing underscore 2020. We're so happy to have you here. Hello everyone. Um, welcome to season three of Scene 2020. I'm Alice. I'm Nicolette and I can't believe we're here. <laughs> I can't believe we're here either. So we've got Scene 2020, 2021 edition. Ooh. We didn't, also can we just say that 2020, no, Scene 2020 season two, mm. we only had eight episodes and it's not like we have a set number of episodes necessarily for each season, but we definitely left it like prematurely ended. it definitely got a little neglected this yeah. podcast we're, we're resuscitating it doing <laughs> <Yeah, literally. laughs> some cpr but i think that is probably reflective of where we were at last year i think so um and i think we just lost our groove a little bit and lost mm-hmm. our voices Stella is getting a groove back though now yeah. A little bit. A little bit. We're getting there. Also, can I just say that, like, I think it was episode one of season two that we were talking about, I don't know how to Galentine's, and now it's basically the same time of year again. Yes. Crazy. Time mm-hmm. flies. Even though, even in 2020 when it lasted forever. Yes. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I'd also like to apologize to everybody that I tried to tell that Galentine's was on the 13th. Of February because I fully back that I think that you can have a Valentine's and then still want to celebrate your gal pals on a Galentine's but now that I'm single for Valentine's Day I'm very irritated at everyone trying to tell me to celebrate Galentine's on the 13th I'm like no I need the distraction on Valentine's Day <laughs> like I'm so sorry about that I didn't understand and I do now I think that's a, well for me I'm not going to speak for everybody here but 2020 was a big learning curve in, oh, I don't understand, and now because I've gone through this particular experience, I do. Yeah. And I think in going through that experience for me, and I think for you too, which is going to be the basis of this episode, we kind of lost our voice a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Maybe a lot. And I think, yeah, and I think we tried to keep the podcast going a little bit, even when it wasn't, it, like, I think we were, we were doing the last couple of episodes you know, we were doing them and I think it felt a little forced. It felt mm. like we were forcing these words out and not really believing it believing it, or having the fire or the passion that we had, yeah. you know, throughout season one. Um, and yeah, we kind of just stopped. It wasn't really working. Um, and I think we're now at a stage where we're like, okay, how are we going to find our voice again? Um, and I think this is a really beautiful opportunity we have we have this platform and this podcast where we can kind of do that Mm. like you know with each other but also with everyone that's listening yeah I think it's funny that we're still doing it out of choice we always were the podcast was always a choice yes it's not like a job we're not getting paid Mm. to do this guys it's completely voluntary um any sponsors out there who want to you know get on board with us hey but (laughs) (laughs) um but no shame um but I think that it's funny that you say that because when we were at probably our most strained Mm. was towards the end of season two yeah and coming back to it now feels a bit more I don't know relaxed a bit more natural this feels really energizing yeah that's and it felt a little draining 
Yeah. And I think also because we were drained and we didn't have very much to give. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we also, we were there and we were like, you know, we were recording on our laptops in separate parts of Sydney, talking about this weird thing that was happening in the world that we didn't know how to navigate. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. and And in some ways, like, okay, massive privilege that we could have done the podcast remotely. 100%. But in terms of it being energizing, which I think we wanted it to be, which is why we kept it going. Um, I don't know. I think it kind of speaks to the fact of you can only become energized by something when you're energized yourself. It's like that saying where um, if you find things boring, then you're probably boring. <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying that right, but if you're bored, then you're probably boring. Yeah. Um, which is something that scares me when I get bored. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not interesting. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that that kind of maybe played into it is that we were so low on energy and yeah. feeling very kind of voiceless and directionless that it played off in the podcast and didn't really give back to us because we weren't being able to give to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think we probably made the right call stepping away from it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm also really glad that we've come back to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were talking, well, you, you were saying to me when we were talking about this episode, um, about the kind of relationship between having a voice and feeling like strong in your identity. So mm-hmm. what do you think happened to your identity in 2020? <laughs> oh boy. Well, before I jump into anything, I'm going to kind of just preface that, like, a big part of finding voice for me, and I've always been like this, I've always been quite private, and I think I've said that in a season one episode as well when we were talking about Mm. dating and the like, Um, and I would not tell anybody a a thing except the person who it concerned, Um, and again, I'm still very much like that, but I think 2020 was big wake-up call in who to talk to about what and what like which people to lean into in my life so I wasn't gonna give my voice to everybody yeah and that in some ways no offense to you guys but that does mean protecting parts of myself Mm. and this in this capacity on the podcast Mm. and on Instagram and you know Facebook and LinkedIn and everywhere else so Am I going to go into everything fully? No. And part of that is because, A, privacy and protecting myself and the people that I love dearly. And the third part of that equation is I don't have it all figured out yet and I'm still navigating everything. Yeah. Which I think 2020 was a teacher in. It was like, you don't have it all figured out. Which we have said constantly on the podcast. We said it in 2019 when we didn't have a global pandemic running our lives. Mm. But I think that, yeah, not... I, I I will only say, I don't know, give examples that I think I'm comfortable giving. Yeah, of course. Which, again, was a big part of me, like, refinding and restructuring my voice and identity. Yeah, that's part of it, isn't it, though? Like, working out what your voice is is not necessarily using it all the time, mm. right? Like, it's working out when you want to use it. And, like, you know, we have our voice in our heads as well and our voice oh, in our personal relationships as well. So I don't yeah. think that... Um, you know, I think there are some people that are very, very quiet and very private and like those people, some of them probably, I I don't know. I feel like for me, I feel like when I was like that Mm. a few years ago, I, it came from a place of insecurity. Yeah. Right. And then I got less insecure and more sure of myself and I found my voice through that and I used it more. But I also think that like now that I'm past some of that insecurity, choosing not to use my voice is like quite an empowering thing yeah yeah 
I think, yeah, it comes down to the decision. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, why the feeling of, it. I could use my voice, but I'm going to choose not to, yeah. rather than, I don't have a voice to use. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's a Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote. Her mother-in-law, around the time of her wedding, she asked her, do you have any advice to give me? And her mother-in-law said, sometimes it helps to be a little bit deaf. And I think mm. that it's a similar sentiment where sometimes it helps to just, you know, not say what's on your mind exactly. Maybe be a bit patient, wait it out, yeah. you know, see what comes of it and, and how it ferments and, and simmers in your own body first, in your own mind. And yes, and work out what is like fueling for you. Mm. Because like, I know there are like some things like I'm a pretty open book to be honest. Like I didn't used Especially to be like with that. The people but closest to you. Yeah, like Same with me. but I always like I'll do something or I'll go through something and I'll say to myself, I'm not gonna talk to anyone about this. This is just for me. Mm. And then every single person I see that week, I'm like, oh my god, like <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> like this happened. Um, like I'm very, I you know, I just I do just kind of I'm very good at keeping everyone else's secrets, but I'm really terrible at like mm. keeping my own, which I don't think is a bad thing. But I think that um, there have been times where I've kind of worked out, oh, actually, like, that having those conversations with that particular person or this group of people is not useful to me. Yeah. Like, I actually would be better off just talking about that experience with, like, a couple of friends or maybe with my mom or with, like, you know, whoever it is that mm. I feel safest doing that with. Like, I think that... Um, I know that's something that... Um, Amy, good old Amy Young, Amy Young Coaching on Instagram, we love her, Mm. Um, but she, like, I learned from her, was like, um, you don't have to share things with people unless you feel safe to do that, and, like, it's going to benefit you, Mm. Um, because I think sometimes we share things out of a sense of obligation, rather than... Yeah, I've also heard that it's, like, in some cases from trauma of not being heard, Um, Interesting. and so it goes the other way of you know, you become an open book and tell everybody probably too much um, mm. in your life because you, you didn't have that growing up. It all comes That's back to so childhood, doesn't it? Always, <laughs> always. But, um, yeah, no, so, I mean, I think for me, I will maybe talk about things that I went through in 2020 in the future mm. that I won't talk about now, whether that's, like, in 10 years um, with my kids or on a talk show, I don't know. Mm. But, you know... We'll talk about what we talk about today and we'll see what comes out. But, Mm. yeah, in terms of what happened in 2020, for me, big shifts. um, I had to really learn how to navigate, you know, how to juggle all of these different roles that I suddenly Mm. had in the same space physically as well. Um, And, like, how to balance all of them. And and I would drop the ball often, whether it was, you know, how to be a good um, daughter, girlfriend friend individual sister Mm. like it all played in together and it was it was difficult to juggle yeah it's still it still is I think I've I've slowly but surely learned how to manage it all Mm. um but the most difficult part of 2020 in terms of finding my voice was figuring out how to stand up for the things that I wanted Mm. for me yeah and not just for me as myself, but me as a partner, as a daughter, as someone in a family, as someone who's at university who hasn't got into the workforce yet. Like, mm. you know, what do I want to do that? Yeah. 
and it was very I think I was with my own thoughts a lot a lot of people were last year yeah but it didn't help no <laughs> no I think I did learn how to slow down a little bit though I, I've always been a go-getter and very like I have to have a million things going at once I would much rather be working three jobs than none I'm that kind of person um but I think a lot of people in my life were very good at just saying you know maybe take care of you for a little bit Mm. you were one of them yeah yeah um many times many many times actually honestly towards the beginning of the year you said something to me about like taking care of me mentally and emotionally and I was like I'm fine and then everything else fast forward (laughs) and I was like maybe she had a point back then even because even though there were a lot of things that were unearthed in 2020 they were just they were the same problems and baggage and and issues and values and beliefs that I had pre 2020 it's just that it like elucidated them yeah 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 but I think that your point about friendship is interesting Mm. because again in 2020 when we were so isolated and like remote from everywhere everyone else in our lives you got to say who was there for you and who you were going to be there for too yeah and that was very telling like there were some people that I thought were definitely going to be there for me and they were not and there were other people that I did not see coming and I'm so thankful for them it's so funny how moments of crisis reveal that stuff or even 2020 was funny it wasn't a moment of crisis it was an extended prolonged period of like hysteria. crisis and like yeah hysteria right. and like instability yeah. um but it's so interesting like the you know obviously there are some friendships where you're like yeah that person was really solid and I knew they would be mm. and then there are some people that just come out of the blue and really amaze you and mm. people who disappoint you and I'm sure people that I have disappointed you know like it goes oh, both ways right. because we all have limited capacity and we all do our best but um yeah I mean that's another thing like yeah I've gone through a breakup recently and like it's so amazing to see the way that people step up like because like you know when you go through a breakup your whole support structure is completely um yeah it has to be reconfigurated right Mm -hmm. reconfigured yeah yeah reconfigurated reconfigurated Reconfigured. Either all right now. Reconfigured. Restructured. Like, you know, and like I had really good friends throughout my whole relationship that were there before as well. Like, you know, you and like quite a few other girlfriends, but like, you know, you've got this one person that becomes your like your person. Mm. And then suddenly they're not there at all anymore. And um just people come out of the blue and they're amazing like Mm. and it's so cool sorry I don't know how I got got to that we're talking about friendships and like finding a voice but no I agree I think that also part of the okay this was kind of the tough love part of friendship for me like there were so many people that showed up for me last year Mm. when I really needed them Mm. but then there were points where obviously people couldn't be available all the time Mm. and I remember like I didn't want... How do I word this? I've seen myself as... Whether I am or not might be beside the point. But I would like to think I am. And I've seen myself as that friend who's the strong one in the group. And the one people come to for advice. And I've, you know, got that North Star. And I know exactly what my values are. And Mm. I'm I'm very, like, direction-oriented. And so I think to be thrown into the deep end in 2020 and not have any direction. And then have all of my values questioned as well. 
it was a moment of weakness and like lack of control mm-hmm. um and I couldn't call everybody at every hour of the day so there would be some nights that I would be up quite late or even during the day people would be at work and I wouldn't be because I had uni or something like that at home and there would be these blank spaces of time where I was like I really need to talk to someone and I can't mm-hmm. and even though people were there for me they couldn't be there all the time and that kind of taught me how to find my voice again because yeah. the voice I guess uh, in that stage relied so heavily on like being able to talk to somebody else about what was happening and it wasn't fixing the problems that I had like the thing I found was that too many chefs kind of spoiled the broth they like mm. nobody had an answer yeah nobody had a clear cut way forward no one knew what to do and the one thing I kept hearing all year and I cannot tell you how much I hate it now like pet peeve people would just be like oh I'm so sorry Nick and at first it helped it was nice it was healing to hear that somebody was hearing me mm. but it got to a point where I was like I don't want your sorry or your apology or your pity I want you to be here and listen and support me and actually before that the middle step was I want you to give me an answer tell yeah. me what to do yeah <laughs> it was tell me what to do and I'll do it solve it and it was like take this weight off my shoulders yeah, yeah. it was it was a Julia Roberts in eat pray love kind of moment of tell me she I think there's a moment where she's praying to God right at the beginning she's like tell me what to do and I'll do it and there's just silence and it felt like that it was like I can't actually rely on anybody else to give me the answer because there isn't one and I have to work it out on my own yeah. and it was a nice learning curve because there's also um I don't know if you guys know Lisa Bilyeu because um, her and Tom Bilyeu are, are husband and wife and they're a great power duo. But she, at one point in a podcast, was saying, like, um, she was literally on the floor. I think something had happened health-wise. And she called Tom and texted him and he wasn't picking up. He was in a meeting. And he's very unreachable sometimes because mm-hmm. of the business that he owns. And it got to a point where she was like, I literally have to get up on my own. And she did. And that felt like what I was going through only over a series of months. Yeah. 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 I think you and I also both have the tendency, because we both have so many really great friends whose opinions we really, really value. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I remember so clearly, like, probably way back, like, even before we first started this podcast, like, you know, maybe two years ago or a little bit later, but, like, you know, when I really started dating, Mm. um, for the first time and I, it just caused me a lot of anxiety. Like I was very stressed about every little interaction that I would have with any man. Yes. You remember, because I called you about every single one of them, (laughs) but I remember there was just a while where I would, I would almost try to do a survey of like what I should do. Like, it would be like, okay, I have to decide whether to text this person back or whether to text this person first or I have to decide whether to um do like go to a restaurant with this person or invite them to my house or like you know whatever Mm -hmm. it was every single like what do I do if this person tries to kiss me what do I do if this person wants to see me again and I don't want to or they want it I want to see them like there were just so many all the time it was like what if this happens what if this happens what if this happens and I feel like I would call a lot of people and try and like almost do a survey of like what I should do like okay do we like text a or text b to Mm. this man better 
and like I'd I'd like call one friend, they'd be like text A, and then I'd call another friend, they'd be like text B. I was like, hey, one friend each, we gotta call somebody <laughs> else. Like, and it it was literally like a survey, and I feel like at the end of the day what you need is you need friends that are going to help you find your voice and mm. friends that are going to be like, well, let's talk about it and work out which text you really want to send. Yeah. Because, because I th- actually that was my follow-up question. Would you go with the text that you wanted to in your gut or what the survey said most of the time? I honestly don't even remember. Good. That's a great answer. I don't even, <laughs> I don't remember. Like I, all I remember is the stress. Yeah. Because, because I, the reason I don't remember is because at the end of the day, it didn't matter. It didn't matter whether the text message I sent had an X at the end or not, mm. right? It didn't matter whether there was that smiley face or that exclamation mark or whether I worded it in this way or that way. Yeah. It didn't matter. Um, I think that the only thing that could have been right or wrong in that situation was saying how I felt or not saying how I felt and, like, letting too many people, like you said, like, the like too many chefs spoil the broth, like Mm. letting too many people help you work out what you want to do often means that you don't really even end up, you don't know what you want to do because you've got so So many people's opinions in your head, so much noise and your voice just gets lost in the crowd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to say as well, it's not just important for you to have friends that are going to help you find your voice, but family and partners as well Mm. because ultimately friends family partners are going to be the closest people to you everyone in your life. in your life that i think that should be like universal and and it should be like a criteria for mm. the people that you let close to you like are these people helping me to find my voice at its core or are they trying to make it into something else yeah oh god i my brain's gone in just two tangents right now and i have to get both of them out so the first thing with that i want to say is like you probably need people in your life who are going to challenge you to find your voice as well. And that's going to be really hard and uncomfortable. And who are probably also going to shape your voice a little bit. That's not a bad thing. No. Yeah. But then on the flip side, which is my other tangent, you don't want their voice to become yours. No. And for you to be spurting out the same advice, like word for word, or the same sentences that somebody else has given you. Mm -hmm. Because I found last year, not even talking, but thinking, I would be like, actually, I, it took a long time, but I would get to a point where I was actually like, oh my God, that thought is worded exactly like what somebody else has said. And I've taken that and that's now my thought, but it's not actually mine. Mm. And it was very interesting to me because you may, I can't even remember the fact, but average human brain has however many tens of thousands of thoughts a day. Mm. And it was very interesting once I picked up, that's not my wording or my that's voice. Interesting. Like, it was interesting seeing what my voice and thoughts, original thoughts of my own, mm. not that anything is purely original, but it was interesting seeing which ones were mine and how few there were. Yeah. And I think that meant that I didn't feel as, like I had enough authority to say anything because I had so few of my own thoughts. Yeah. Because I was listening to too many other people. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, what we were saying about, like, you know, having partners and, um, like, family members and friends that help you find your voice, like, that's um, that ties into, like, another interesting thing. I mean, we, we were saying, like, we have these roles. We have these roles of daughter, girlfriend, uni student, maybe employee, mm. friend, like, all these roles. And we have our voices in those roles and whatever. Um, but, like... <sighs> 
that's another really interesting thing is like now being single again after being in a relationship I don't think I, I didn't lose my voice in that relationship. Like I, I grew in a lot of ways and I found out a lot of things about myself and that's only going to help my voice grow, you know, yeah. but you kind of, your voice can just become really entwined with this other person, which makes sense. And like you're speaking a lot of the time as like, we, we spoke as individuals, of course, like, uh, yeah, as individuals, but like, your your identity somewhat to a certain extent mm. becomes a member of a couple and a member of a partnership like Naturally. you know you're doing life with this other person yeah. and so much of your energy goes into being in love with them and working out how to do life with them and then um I actually I remember reading this really beautiful um like I don't know if it was a creative piece or an article by um someone someone called um nina i think it's montaigne i'll i'll link her in the episode notes on Mm. um she was writing about a breakup of hers and she said that she had to it was an unraveling like an unraveling of of her her partnership and then almost an unraveling of herself following that like you unravel the partnership and then she had to keep unraveling and then she Mm. had to like braid herself up all over again you know and um I think that's something that's really interesting on this note of like finding your voice because yeah you you have to unravel yourself and your voice from like you know I have to I have to there's there's Alice's voice there's this other person's voice and then there's our voice Mm -hmm. and our voice has to get unraveled right yeah and then there's my voice and I don't it, it's really interesting like it's early days like I'm only you know a few weeks on but that's something that I'm actually terrified about it's scary but it's also kind of exciting mm. um well it's difficult because you're like some of the five closest people to you and when you're that heavily hanging out with and you know in some instances for some people living with and married to and etc mm-hmm. another person like, you even start talking the same way. I found that with friends. Like, yeah. with one particular friend, I'll say bro a lot. And then with you, I never say bro. Yeah. You know, like, with mm. my significant other, there is a way we will talk that I don't do with other people. And I know that you rub... Like, we rubbed off on each other for sure. But you do that with all of the people that are really, really close to you. And yeah. the closest five as well. So then, you know, being conscious of... But how do I... Like... Not so much stay in my lane, but keep my own thread of a voice my own. Yeah. And make sure that it's growing and it's lengthening if it's a, you know, piece of, how long's a piece of rope? How long's a piece of string? Like, so that when I'm braiding it with other people, it doesn't get lost. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what I'm hearing. Because as well, like, there's that part of unraveling where you're unraveling your voice in a breakup. But I think what I've gone through is unraveling my voice as its own thing you know that's imbued with family and friendship and study and being able to unravel it into a relationship and as a partner Mm. because that's taken a lot of unraveling for me of very closely tightly held beliefs that I had Mm. and there were things that I didn't know that I needed or wanted out of life and 
that's just, yeah, like... I'm going to quote Amy Young again. Oh, go for it. I'm going to do this a lot. But um, she always says relationships are our greatest healers and teachers. And I really like that. And I think that that's true in a relationship and it's true in a breakup. Yeah. It's true in both. Like, you look at every relationship you have in your life, romantic, familial, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and in them, you have to do all this unraveling and all this growing and out of them in a more painful way you also have to do that and um but I I think that's a really beautiful way of looking at it because like they are like and if you've got to walk away from something Mm. you may as well learn about yourself while you do it you know like let's talk about pain for a second Mm. and growth because growing pains are a real thing long after you've stopped growing physically as a child Mm. And I know that, like, having a growth mindset and and knowing that you have to learn, like, what you're talking about right now, a lot of people don't have that. So even to see a relationship and one that you've left as a great experience, and, and obviously there's still pain wrapped up in all of that, and you can't separate the two right now. And I would not ever ask somebody to. That's crazy. Mm. But... To even have said or thought that it's a growing experience is a massive deal. Because a lot of people, I think the reason why people don't grow and don't find their voice or what they want to say and feel like they don't have anything original to say is because they aren't sitting with pain. Yeah, but that's, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. But that's another thing. I, <laughs> I had two very, very beautiful friends of mine in my apartment the day after, um, I got broken up with and I was obviously absolutely distraught Mm. but I went out to see him and then I came back and I came back very (laughs) matter-of-factly right like I came in and I was like that's it it's done time to start healing like (laughs) so so determined I was like I will not be sad and my friends just burst out into laughter and I was like what I'm not what I meant it and I think that you're right like it is I think it's really good that I can see I have to, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn from this and I'm gonna grow and mm. you know but also I can't do that right away I can't do that right away I know I know I've got that ahead of me and I'm holding on to that knowledge of like okay I just have to have a little faith mm. that this is part of my journey and this is um pain that is going to you know, I'm going to grow through what, grow through what I go through. Like I, I have to, I have to hold on to that faith, but, um, I think sometimes the growth mindset can almost Mm. be, um, be a hindrance to you sitting with that pain, which is what is actually going to help fuel that growth. Yeah. Um, which is why my friends were laughing at me. They were like, you're, you're not, you're not going to heal. You're not going to start healing today. And I was like, I am. Well, I would argue that I did because going through the pain is the healing, but you just wanted to be at the end of the healing. I wanted to be like three months down the line. (laughs) Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of terrifying to then, like, I think it was probably two days later. I was like, I'm actually just going to be in a lot of pain for a long time. Um, and there is no way around that yeah yeah and again you can go through that in and out of relationships and in and out of family ties and in and Mm -hmm. out of friendships yeah because i i lost friendships last year too yeah 
and that was jarring take take me back to being 15 like Mm -hmm. and uh, you know high school playground dramas and the rest of it but friendship breakups are a real thing though and we don't talk about them enough as a society like they're very painful and nobody talks about this shit no i think the problem with um voice sometimes is being like is this actually real and does this actually happen to other people Mm. break up or not um relationship or not living with family or alone like there are there's a lot that's not shed light on and i know i'm being vague with a lot of my allegories Mm. because i obviously want to keep things private to a certain extent but it's ironic as well because I'm like, why isn't anybody talking about this? And then I'm like, I don't want to talk about it yet because I'm not ready to talk about things and I, I need to have time because it's a yeah. personal choice. Yeah. And I'm just like, but I would have so loved like and appreciated somebody to have written down or recorded some piece of advice of like how to do this and how to live out of home, how to buy property, how to be in a relationship, how to know when something is good for you, how to know if the degree is right for you. Like, But again, is that just me wanting too many pieces of advice from other people and not learning and living through it on my own? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the answer. Yeah. I know. And I think that that's part of what I've had to kind of learn is that there isn't a right answer. Yeah. Actually, I, I wrote this down, and I'm sure it's a quote from somewhere, but I wrote it down and I was like, there's no one right way to do things, but there are a lot of wrong ways. Mm. Um, but kind of linking back to how to tell, like who to tell what to and how many people, mm. um, social media. Yeah. I, I've dipped from that a little bit. Mm. And people noticed. I caught up with a really good friend of mine and she was like, yeah, I haven't seen you popping up on my stories when I look Mm. at who's viewing them. Which to me is such a foreign thing now because I don't have the app. Like, I do have my account still, but I've just deleted the app from my phone. Mm. But, like, I don't care who's looking at my stories. I'm sorry. I've got Mm. to that point. But Mm. I also don't really care too much about the boomerang of the beach you're posting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, just, I got to a point where it wasn't fulfilling me anymore. And why was I sharing things with other people when I felt like I didn't have anything original or important to say? And there were parts of 2020 where I did. Like, with the Black Lives Matter movement, that was a big deal. Mm. And I think we all should have been saying things, you know, without that movement. But that was really important it to speak It created up a, a, like, opening. Yeah. Like, the, it, it prompted a lot of really, lot of really great conversations but on the line of like people just using their voice like posting a black square on your instagram and then not actually engaging in any way with people like just with with the actual consequences of what was happening and with people who were actually using their voice to tell their stories Mm -hmm. and weren't getting listened to like it's such a tokenistic use of a social media voice you know i i was one of the people that did post a black square yeah. but I in the months after like helped. you were engaged and you were also sharing resources on your yeah. Instagram I remember it yeah. yeah and like helped quite a few people write articles about you know indigenous celebrations or issues or content from indigenous writers yeah. which is really great um I didn't post a black square but I almost did like I, I don't think that, it was contentious that's not a it's not a right or wrong thing I don't really yeah, I'm not mm. criticizing anybody that's done that. No, no. I think all I'm saying is that social media is a funny one mm. in terms of um, working out, 
working out what your, what your place is. Yeah. yeah. Because I think as well, like, I... I was following a lot of people at that point, like a lot of content creators, a lot of people I don't know mm. online. Um, and that was good to learn mm. about the Black Lives Matter movement, about stuff happening in America, about politics, this, that, and the other. And it was yeah. needed and necessary. But then it also got to a point where towards the end of the year, I was like, this is information overload. Mm. Not just those topics, but everything. Because then obviously the people who are posting things that are informative and political also post personal things. It's like, how much of their life do I want to see and how much of my life do I want to put out there? And mm-hmm. Do I care that somebody went and got an acai bowl who lives in my you know, state? <laughs> no, not really. Um, and it got to a point where I ended up unfollowing a lot of people and deleting the app um, mm-hmm. over the summer, basically. And I would kind of log on on my laptop Mm. Um, every now and then and just kind of have a scroll. I think there's also an intentionality to that. I think part of the problem with all these apps is that it's just idle time. Like we're, yeah. we're waiting for the bus, we're lying in bed, we wake up in the morning, we're going to sleep, whatever it is, and we're just scrolling. Yeah. And it's not actually anything that is fueling us in any way. It's just something to do. Yeah, um, that's what I found. And I think that if you then... Like I, I have the app that's not me, but like if you have to log on it's more like okay I'm intentionally going to use some of my time to check this social media resource you mm. know mm. Mm. but it's funny that so I deleted the app and I don't go on Facebook too much anyway mm. really especially on my phone but I remember I was on my laptop and I was like oh I need to message somebody and I'm going to use messenger obviously rather than text because mm. it's just there and everyone's on there um and I remember just being like, oh my God. And I'd been scrolling for five minutes on my feed, looking at freaking memes mostly. But I was like, I literally got on here and I just didn't send the message. And the way that I fix that now is by, instead of typing an F in, in the, what is it? The hyperlink bar or whatever it is to mm-hmm. get to Facebook, I'll type in an M for messenger. And that's yeah, changed right. the game. Interesting. But yeah, just, like, being bombarded by all these other people's voices and content, I was... It, it was, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, because I was kind of like, we're going to come back to seeing 2020 eventually, hopefully, which we have, which is great. Mm-hmm. But also potentially working in social media in 2021, I was like, I don't want to be on here any more than I have to be right yeah. now. And until I feel comfortable sharing my own voice again, I don't think I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we might finish there. Mm-hmm. Um we're so happy to be back we're really excited um we're really grateful to anyone that's listening and really grateful um for your patience (laughs) um and for kind of bearing with us as we navigated um a a really tough year um as all of you did as well um and yeah we're excited about having this opportunity to kind of explore our voices and what they're going to look like this year yeah and just touching on a lot of different topics that we haven't really or going deeper into ones that we already have that would be really interesting I think yeah really excited alright take care of yourselves and we will see you soon thanks for listening bye